Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to the Munchies podcast. Today we've got food writer, former chef, and top chef judge Gail Simmons on the show. Gail is no amateur critic. She's been a veteran of the food industry for almost 20 years. She made her bones as a cook at Le Cirque and Bong and transitioned into writing when she worked under legendary food critic Jeffrey Steingarten at Vogue. She then later moved on to become events manager for chef Danielle Bouloud. So in short, Gail has some chops. And then in 2004, she got a job at Food & Wine magazine and became one of the permanent and founding judges of Top Chef. Top Chef ushered in a new culinary era by taking the ready-made reality contest format and placing chefs, who had previously been laboring anonymously in the back of the kitchen, front and center, onto millions of TV screens across the U.S. And in doing so, Top Chef transformed them into pop culture stars while raising the national conversation around food. It was educating people about technique and balance and flavor and what defines a great dish to millions of people who are watching. Now, in an era where there's a booming international food scene, where Instagrammers are being paid exorbitant amounts of money to post food porn, and there's trillions of food websites out there, including Munchies, I wanted to know what Gail thought about the world that Top Chef helped to create. But before we get into the interview with Gail Simmons, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code MUNCHIES at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build a beautiful. So we've been helping our friend Jimmy and his bandmate Dave build a website for their band, The Darties. What do you guys think of the website so far? Do you like it? It's looking it? good. What's a uh, real yeah, home? It looks really clean. Uh, Nothing better than a clean website. <laughs> you don't want too much frizzle frazzle all over the place. Like, yeah, like you don't know where to go. Like, oh my God, what's the... It's, uh, it can be intimidating. Yeah. This week, we were all hanging out in the Vice lobby, and we were going to work on the About page. But before we could actually get any work done... Hey, Mom, how's it going? Jimmy got a phone call. Yeah, I have a minute. What are you doing? Say that again? The Chicago Police Department is accepting applications until January 31st. But I think you age out at 35. So if you're thinking at all about, you know, changing your lifestyle from the bar... Yeah. something else in the Chicago cop, which I, I'm not suggesting. I'm, I just want to make sure you know this is an option that you have. Okay. Um, you, need, you need to go online and do it right away. Okay. Before you turn 35. Okay. Sure. And I'm right in the middle of something right now, but can I call you back? Rather than becoming a cop, Jimmy's trying to pursue his own dreams of playing in a band with his friends. And we're trying to help him pursue those dreams by building this website with him. With Squarespace, sites look professionally designed, regardless of skill level, no coding required. And it's got intuitive and easy-to-use tools, so even your mom can do it. Get a free domain if you sign up for a year. So start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MUNCHIES to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. And now, back to our conversation with Gail Simmons. 
All right. So let's let's get into this. So, you know, Top Chef is rated as the number one food show on cable TV. Apparently. And, That's what uh, they tell me in all of the <laughs> ads and promos. <laughs> it's pretty incredible to to look at. And, you know, especially as a permanent judge on the show, sort of looking at you now versus when you first started, how do you mm-hmm. feel your judging style has changed, if at all? Oh, it's definitely changed, mostly because when we started Top Chef a decade ago, there wasn't judging style. There was no such thing as judging. This was completely new. This was a genre that really hadn't been invented yet. I mean, there were other reality competitions out there for other categories of things. Uh, Project Runway had just started. American Idol, I think, was maybe a season or two in. But the the competition that wasn't like Survivor or Fear Factor was really new. And specifically in the food space, there was Iron Chef, the Japanese version. But that was really all there was in the food space that had to do with judging food, especially at a professional level. And when I started on our very first season, very first episode of Top Chef, which we shot in downtown L.A. in 2005, I remember sitting at that judge's table. The whole setup was different. You know, we've learned and changed and evolved so much over 13 seasons. But I wasn't quite sure what we were supposed to do. Were we supposed to be mean? Were we supposed to be really critical, hypercritical? Were we supposed to be really nice? At that point, reality competition shows also, the judges all had very specific personalities. They sort of put you in a box. There was the Simon and the Paula Abdul. Remember those days? So not only did we have to figure out who we were on the show in terms of our persona, but Bravo then edited us to be a certain way that wasn't necessarily how we are in real life. And I had been at Food & Wine for a year. I'd come from working in restaurants and in the food business for 10 years already, almost. But I certainly hadn't ever done it on camera, and I had never done it sort of in the public eye. So it was nerve-wracking, for sure, those first few episodes. Even the whole first season, we were sort of stumbling around in the dark a little bit. Now I'd like to think that Bravo after so many seasons and so much time, has figured out that, number one, our audience wants this show to be about professionals. And if we don't ingratiate ourselves to the audience, in other words, if the audience doesn't trust us as the judges, because we're the taste buds, they can't taste the food. We are the only vehicle they have to understand the experience of the dishes that are put in front of us. They only have the vested interest in the personalities that they see, which really often has nothing to do with the cooking. So if they don't trust us to tell them truthfully, honestly, with empathy, what the food is like, then all is lost and no one's watching the show and a million people just change the channel. So, or more. So they let us be ourselves and they let us be honest, but they let us be constructive instead of purely just there to ream out young chefs who are working really hard. So we've definitely changed and uh, we've become more empathetic. We know what we're looking for more and Bravo does too, thankfully. I think that's why we've had the success that we've had. Wow. Well, so thinking about, you know, it's been 10 years, there's no question the impact that Top Chef has had on the food world. And, you know, 
not only kids in middle school, high school who are watching the show and learning so much about the culinary world, but how do you think Top Chef has impacted the food world since it started? What's funny is I don't think of myself as very old, but often recently people have come up to me uh, young adults and said to me, I grew up on you. I grew up watching you on television. And that has always made me pause and think, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Wait a second. I, how can you have grown up on me? And then I think 10 years ago, if you're 21, you were 11. Or if you're you know 23, you were 13 years old when you started watching Top Chef. And that, you know, for me has seemed like the blink of an eye, but it's amazing to now be the godparents of a genre as opposed to the new people who are really pushing the boundaries and doing something new which I think we're still doing in a lot of ways but it has been such an adventure for me and thinking back to know that we have been around for so long that we're still on the air we're still making a great show we're still doing things differently and I think we're still setting the bar in the realm of food television but we've been around long enough that People have grown up knowing and and just thinking of us as commonplace instead of how I think of it as that we did something that had never been done before. Uh, people know now are just used to the fact or think that that was sort of always around Top Chef and the, that idea of pushing young chefs, discovering young talent through our show. So I think that the impact is very measurable. At least for me, I see it all the time. Um, I'm stopped in restaurants or on the street, on the subway, and for me, the most rewarding things that people say, the way that I measure if I'm doing a decent job or not, is that people tell me either that they love to go out to eat more, they go out more, they choose things on the menu that they wouldn't have otherwise chosen, they can read a menu differently, they understand the, the language of food differently now, they love to cook at home with their kids, that their, their kids, their five, six, seven-year-olds want to be chefs because they watch their show. I don't think we realized it was going to be sort of a family show when we set out to make it. And there's a lot about it that's not um, super PG-13 or, or family. There's some gritty stuff in there that happens, but at the same time... I think it's a really aspirational show because it shows a group of people who are hardworking and passionate. And these are people who are so talented at their craft. And it's watching from a place that you otherwise wouldn't get to see, watching, you know, the door to a world that isn't usually open. And I think that's really fascinating when you're seeing people who are really skilled at something. So I I think that that's how we've uh, impacted the the sort of popular culture around us. I was at Harvard last week teaching a course with Tom. The two of us and May Lin, the winner of our Boston season, went to Harvard to teach the the final course in food science, uh, the science of of cooking, which is a course that is offered through the Department of Applied Physics. And a lot of amazing chefs have gone through and taught that course and uh, and helped out. And we were talking to people and people asked a similar question. And Tom said the other day he was in a restaurant and he could hear the people beside him speaking at the table next to him. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
about how the dish they were eating needed more acid. And <laughs> at, he had this conf- conflicting emotion inside him because on the one hand, he just wanted to turn to them and say, just eat the food. Just enjoy your food. Stop analyzing it. But at the, on the other hand, he realized that he had created this. <laughs> um, you know, we created a population of monsters of food critics, <laughs> but also people who are really thinking about what they're eating and who's cooking it. And they're supporting chefs and they're going out to restaurants more and they're traveling for food and they're going to all these amazing top chef restaurants. And so I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's like you birthed a bunch of little food monsters. We that did. Are, you know, we did. Probably, yeah, it needs more acid is totally the line. that <laughs> I feel like people line. will be like, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it's That's the thing that people love. And it's true. A lot of it does. But I don't think that that phrase was in the public consciousness 10 years ago <laughs> when we started the show. It just became one of the few tag, you know, taglines that people have caught on to saying. I'm not to say that we're solely, I'm not saying that we're solely responsible either, yeah. uh, but I think we had a, a hand to play in the deal. Absolutely. What do you think of, there's yeah. so many uh, Instagrammers now who are doing that as a full-time career. Yeah. You know, what do you think of that and sort of looking at that 10 years from now, do you think that food porn on Instagram will be where it is today as much as I sometimes want to throw it into the fire as a sacrificial lamb I don't think it's going anywhere and it serves a purpose I think it's great I mean sometimes it just gets gratuitous because you can't help but think of how the rest of the world is in like such crisis and we're just like taking food you know you can go all philosophical on it and it becomes too much um you know I have mixed feelings about it I think on the one hand I love that the bottom line is it gets people thinking about food, excited about food, going out, trying new things, pushing boundaries. And I'm all for that. I really am. I think that's sort of my purpose is to be a food cheerleader and to get people excited about great food. So I love that this whole um, movement of bloggers and Instagrammers who have millions of followers and they can then parlay that into a full-time career because there's a need for it. And if there's a need and a demand, I wouldn't say need, if there's a demand for it, then it's worthwhile. And that's great because there's channels that it's working and helping and it's moving our industry along in one way or form. Um, The tricky piece of the whole blogger conversation, I think, is that because social media has essentially and in a good way democratized the world of food criticism anyone's a critic everyone's a critic everyone's a food authority if they have a camera on their phone which everybody has um anyone with a smartphone can be a food critic and that i think as much as i love that again it democratizes things you have to tr- you never know who's in your restaurant because they could not be famous but you never know who they are on instagram and they could have thousands of followers and really that's a very powerful tool for better or worse. So you need to treat everyone well and you need to take that into consideration as a restaurant owner. I think it forces people to up their game and and be on alert and, and think more about hospitality in a more broad sense. But uh, my, my fear is also that people don't realize the power that they yield and it's not always positive. And I think there's value to having credibility and authority and a lot of people don't really know anything about food. They don't know how to cook. They don't really know if food is good or not. They don't really care, but they want to be a critic. And that's harmful because that can hurt businesses and people's livelihoods. 
And so that is sort of my ongoing online banter ramble. And I think people need to be a little more thoughtful about what they attack or their opinions, because an opinion is different than uh, a constructive criticism. I have this theory about why food has become sort of the epicenter of culture in the sense that, you know, it used to be music was big and and now it seems like everyone mm-hmm. is a quote unquote foodie and yeah. everyone loves to eat, take pictures, et cetera. And um, food is like the new opera, right? You know, people used to go out, spend all their money on mm-hmm. that. Now they go out and spend their money on food. What do you think in the era of technology when food is one of the last things that you can't download because it's experiential? Mm-hmm. What What do you think it says about contemporary culture for you? I think it says that we're all looking for connection. You know, I think that I I studied anthropology in college. And at the time, I would get laughed at when I told people I wanted to be in the food industry. And they thought, well, that was like the biggest waste of a bachelor's degree that you've ever had. But really, I think it was the most valuable um, degree I could have gotten for for what I chose to do. Because what is food but the, um, the... the conveying of a culture, the, the why and how of who we are. Why is it that we eat hamburgers and in Japan they eat ramen? Well, now we eat ramen because they brought it to us and now we're obsessed with it. But why are we obsessed with it? And why do some people use chopsticks and others use forks? And, and why um, why do we eat birthday cake? And all of these things about culture, the biggest expression of culture is sitting around a table and sharing food and experience and connecting. And I think food is such a metaphor for as crazy as our culture gets, as disconnected as we may get because we spend all our times looking at a screen, you can't eat through your screen. You need to sit down, whether you're alone or in your car or at a dinner table, whether you're eating with your family or you're going out to a restaurant with friends, it's it's about making human connection. And I think that that will never go away. I think that we as a species crave that and need it to propagate our culture and to hold on to it, to explore other cultures. Um, And I think that's also the best way to get to know another culture. When I travel, I travel through the lens of food. That is how I get to know a culture and how I get to know its people. And I think that is such an important, if not vital, piece of how we live. I love when people tell me they're not foodies, quote unquote. Oh, I'm not a foodie. I don't care about that. And my response is always, but you're human. I mean, what sets us apart as humans from any other animal on this earth is fire, is that we learned how to cook and that civilized us. And we don't just tear into other animals raw and uh, rip them apart and eat them. Well, you know, maybe the zombies do, but (laughs) you know what I mean? We are, that's what makes us human we all have to eat three times a day if not more so I always think it's ridiculous people tell me they don't they're not a foodie it does I I get what they're saying they don't care for food they don't care to spend their energy their money on food food is more fuel for them but they still need to make decisions every day and they they make economic and socio-political decisions every single day by what they choose to eat and how they choose to eat it and that is powerful and that's an opinion So even if your opinion is, I don't care, that's still an opinion. Or even if your opinion is, all I want to eat is spaghetti, plain spaghetti with salt and Parmesan cheese or a chicken nugget, that is still an opinion. And you're still, um, 
exerting your point of view. So it all counts. It's all part of the conversation because if we don't eat, we don't live. Props to you for your production company, especially, you know, focusing on women. It's obviously there's oftentimes, myself included, people are always asking what's it like to be a female food yeah. writer or um, the idea of female chefs. It's been a big topic for sure. um, over the last couple of years. And I always say it's not that there aren't enough female chefs. It's that we need to shed more light on the female chefs out there. So I think you're props. right. I think you're right. And I'm <laughs> glad you're doing it. And I know you are. Yeah. Well, my final question is a simple one. If you could choose a guest judge to judge with you, dead or alive or fictional, mm-hmm. who would it be? Whether it's like, you know, Alice Cooper or somebody from Game of Thrones. Um, I would totally love uh, Peter Dinklage's character. Um, yeah, I would have Tyrion Lannister be a judge. I think I actually happen to know that Peter is a huge Top Chef fan and um, it's my favorite show. So I would definitely he loves to drink we see it on the show I mean, i'm not talking about him as a person i'm talking about his character he is a very good drinker and um bon vivant in general so that would be awesome um i would i mean other living people who who are real people not fictional characters um michael pollan i'd love to have on the show michelle obama i'd love to have on the show um no longer with us i mean how great would it have been if Julia Child was alive and could have been on Top Chef with us? I wonder what she would have thought about it. I think she would have been a fan. I, I think she would have. I think she would have liked it. She likes to have fun. I would die. She's. Mm. She would be amazing. Yeah, amazing. I know. Yeah, she would have been. I don't know. There's so many um, historic characters that I think would have been great at the table. Marie Antoinette. Oh man, she would have loved <laughs> being a judge on Top Chef. She yeah, would have thrown it. food. She would have been eating a lot of cake. Drinking a lot of champagne out of coops. Oh, man. Well, um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank and you. Congratulations. That wraps up the latest episode of the Munchies podcast. Thanks so much to Gail Simmons for coming on the show. If you want to learn more about Gail, head over to her website, gailsimmons.com, and check her out on the latest season of Top Chef. If you want to check out more from Munchies, head over to munchies.tv. We're also on Instagram and Twitter with the simple at Munchies and Facebook too. I'm Helen Holliman. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.